Roll up, roll up, ladies and gentlemen, to the greatest podcast on earth. Step right up and experience the magnificence that is the Two Ring Circus Podcast. You'll gasp. <gasps> you'll laugh. <laughs> and you'll be amazed at what comes next. Amazing. Don't worry about the smell. It's just the stars of our show, Tom Italiano. Hello. And Matt Bradshaw. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Ha ha ha. You'd never know that was you who did that intro. No, you would, certainly would never have guessed it was me. Mm. I mean, out of the two of us, it definitely sounds way more like me than you. G'day, mate. How are you? Right. How's your last couple of days? All right. Yeah? Yeah. Have you been anywhere for any particular thing? <laughs> uh, my godfather died in Tasmania. I'm very thankful I got to see him a month ago. And... Uh, at his funeral yesterday. I was a pallbearer for another relative. Yeah. Weird, 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 weird. It is, isn't it? Um, uh, with my cousin who lives here in um, Melbourne. Um, my cousin Chris, who's his son. Uh, so he is now survived by my 87-year-old auntie, who seems to be okay, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's very practical. She's always been a very practical woman. But they were married 63 years. Jeez. I know. Oh, I can't even understand that concept. Isn't it amazing? <coughs> like, I don't mean I can't understand the concept of being, being, I mean, I don't know what it's like to be married, but just 63 years. Of doing anything. I haven't done anything for that long. Amazing. Uh, it is amazing. Yeah. And he was, uh, He's a pretty incredible man to be married to my auntie for 63 years. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, he was. He was He was an amazing fellow. Um, yeah, so I, I lived with my auntie and uncle. They were my godparents, so I'm, ah. I lived with them. Um, uh, funnily enough, when I was going through puberty, which was a conversation that came up completely randomly and unrelated recently. So. Um, have you, have you <laughs> spent a lot of different periods of your life living with different people? No, no, no. I've mainly always been with my folks. Yep. Although I've main, I mainly grew up with my mum because dad was always working away. But there was a period where I had I'd done first year high school in Sydney and when my parents, my dad got a job, just being in mining, which of course the rest of the reason why I moved around so much as a kid, um, you just always had to go where the, where the work was. So they went to mid-north South Australia, so desert South Australia. Um, to a place called Mount Gunson, which is near the Woomera rocket base, where the US had a rocket base. I did research on that sort of stuff. Um, I think that's where, was that where the um, Australian movie The Dish? I think that's where that was featured. No, that was Parks. Ah, oh, Parks. What, yeah. what am I, I think of something else then. Mm. Anyway, um, Woomera, US rocket range. Uh, and there was nothing in the way of halfway decent schools anywhere around that area. So, and I'd already started high school and I had friends from having been to visit my auntie and uncle in, in um, the Sutherland Shire, which is where I lived before it was before I 
before I knew it was racist, even if it was when I was there. Well, the subtle and where the Cronulla riots happened right. a few years ago. Yes. All that sort of stuff. Well, so. there's racism everywhere. And there's good people everywhere, too. There's good people who have a bit of racism. Mm. I think, I it's think we know a couple. I think it's fair to paint the whole person with a bad brush. <laughs> in the, or the whole the whole Shire. Yeah. Sutherland Shire was where Sil- Sylvania Waters was filmed as well. That, oh, I'm not sure I know what that is. No, nah, there'll be people listening to this okay. who absolutely will know what it is. Okay. But yeah. Um, Are they like those little, little, little people, those little toys? <laughs> uh, that's Sylvanian families. Okay. And, and they there certainly Sylvania. were Sylvanian families in this, but yeah. Oh. Cashed up bogans kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. It's easy to poke fun at um, Australian suburban life because, well, it, it sets itself up in that way. <laughs> Kath and Kim wouldn't exist were it not for. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how those kind of parody type things tend to be loved the most by the people who. I mean, I guess there's a there's almost a, a celebration. Of, yeah. the par- of the things that are being parodied in a way. I, do you know, I think more that it's lo- beloved by the people it's most um, parodying, um, but they don't recognise that that's who they are. Yeah, okay. So I've never seen I think Catherine Kim, so... I think, well, yeah, even the I, castle. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a bunch of people. I mean, the castle is... They're, they're all actually done quite... Sylvania Waters, no, but the others are actually done in quite a uh, loving's the wrong word yeah, yeah but, but in uh, a gentle's not the right word either uh, in, in a in a in a way that actually isn't making fun right yeah. laughing laughing with and not, not laughing at sure yeah yeah which is quite a fine line I mean it's a fine line in comedy anyway yes yeah, certainly yes yeah. certainly so so I guess it kind of makes sense that the, the people it seems to be most aimed at are often the people who seem to love it the most. But I don't necess- yeah I don't necessarily think that they recognise that that's the that's the irony that they're in the middle of. <laughs> yep, dangling preposition. Sorry about that. Did I say anything in response to that? No. Yeah, that's famous for his dangling preposition. <laughs> oh, that's not yeah. what I thought you meant. Proposition. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, you know how I dispatched that mafia boss. Oh, how? I made him an awful that was too good to refuse. Great. Diffuse. Ah, fuck it. An awful? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Too good to diffuse. That's what. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I fucked that up. Can we edit that out and just go, nah. go to the other punchline? Nothing, nothing better than an incorrectly told joke. <sighs> other than a, a correctly, correctly told, told joke. one. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, my cousin Chris... Uh, expressed a concern that he thinks I might have an alcohol problem. A problem? Because mm. mm. uh, I, I, we went to Tasmania together on Monday and I, so I picked him up from his place and we drove to the airport and uh, grabbed a car at the airport, drove to his mum's place and hung out there for a bit and I, about half past three I said, I, I need to go and check into my hotel. Um, and she wanted me back for dinner. Well, she wanted to be back for drinks at five o'clock. So, I, I mean, Hobart's very small. So I went to my hotel and 
on the way back from the hotel, I stopped off in Salamanca Place and had a beer. And then between Salamanca Place and their place, I stopped off at another pub on the way, on the main road, and had a beer. And uh, I didn't tell my auntie that, but I told Chris that later that night. And he said, oh, no, I know. What do you mean? He said, in 98% of the photos I see of you, you are holding a beer. I don't think I've got a problem. Okay. Can you go two weeks without it? Uh, yeah. All right, that's your two-week challenge. What, we're both going two weeks without alcohol? And he said, yeah. I said, you don't drink, dude. <laughs> he said, oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely easier for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, we're not doing that this week. Okay. Because I really want a beer. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but I want one. I don't need one. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm thirsty. Yes, well, it's definitely warm. It's summer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can, uh, I can relate to how you feel and to how he feels. <laughs> um, yeah. Tom's leaving that on one side. I don't know. Um, <coughs> it's a river, isn't it? I don't oh, know. That's the Renault. The Orinoco. Oh, good. Yeah. Sail away. Huh. David Gray's coming. Really? Yeah. Great. <laughs> to Australia on oh, tour. Excellent. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, no, I've never seen. I've never seen one. I think I'd like to go. Yeah. What day is it? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. My second cousin Tim told me. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big family I'll have catch a look, up. I'll have a look at that because that might be something I'd like to go to. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's a Saturday. Bugger. Oh, no, I think it's a Sunday. Bugger. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sunday. Oh, Sunday. Sunday's not so bad, surely. Sunday night. No, I'd rather it be Saturday because I usually work. On, on a Sunday. Sunday night? Yeah. I've worked on a Sunday night every oh, yeah, Sunday last right. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. I forgot, sorry, I forgot it was you we were talking about, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't work every Sunday. No. Um, hey, speaking of uh, bands we'd like to see, uh, some people listening to this will have seen our band on uh -huh. Saturday, the one that we did. Uh -huh. The one the that first, we did. The first time in 14 years. Yeah. Um, it got my brain thinking about touring acts, and, well, I wonder how much they really can make going on tour and earning money because we just sold a hundred tickets that grossed two thousand dollars and came away with five hundred bucks <laughs> and I was just like and funnily enough I spent more money at the bar of the venue we played at oh yes so did I on Saturday yeah, yeah. so I didn't make any money at all no not that we went out for dinner we went out for dinner not that we did it to make money um but the but when you saw the actual breakdown of the money that came in, the money that went out, it just went, whoa. I mean, great venue, really, like, it was good. It was, I mean, you get what you pay for in that many respects. I mean, to to revisit the band after 14 years, to play in a really nice venue where the people who came along were in a comfortable space, as mm. opposed to, like, a shitty pub type thing, which, of course, we would have wanted to do a one-off type thing in. Yeah, not cheap. 
Whew. Yeah. No, but if we'd have had, you know, T-shirts and mugs, which I think is really how touring acts actually make their money these days. Yeah, well, it must be. Well, it make me think the idea... How many CDs did you give away? Yeah, but we... Did you give all of them away? No, no. That's good, because there's... I don't have a copy of one of them. No, I just... I mean, that was... that. Uh, there's another box of um, um, stuff, which I found. But I just thought that stuff was bought and paid for. It's been sitting in a garage. Yeah, no, it was a lovely... It was great. Years and, uh, it was a sweet idea. I just yeah. meant if you had a spare one. Yeah, no. I'll take it off your hands. You've, we've definitely got... Uh, enough for the guys in the band to have one. That's nice. <coughs> um, That's how organised I am. But gee whiz, yeah, it just made me think about that kind of thing. I'm like, whoa, and, yeah. And obviously, touring bands charge way more for the tickets than we did, but we still, we were still not cheap for people to come. No. Uh, but sure, gee whiz, yeah, gee whiz. That's three times. Yeah. I'm trying not to fucking swear so much in this podcast, mm-hmm. as you've pointed out previously. It's good. It's nice. Me swearing less. No, it's a, it's a nice uh, yes, but not. Don't mean you particularly. I mean it's a it's a fine uh, ideal to be working towards. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I, I I'm not sure really if, that it was conscious. It wasn't until you pointed it out. Mm. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about? Getting the band back together, a la Blues Brothers style, um, without the car chase. I loved it. I loved, I loved getting back in the rehearsal room. I loved how it sounded in the rehearsal room. Um, I liked how it sounded in the rehearsal room better than I did on stage. And that's, I've I've been doing this a long time, but there is still when you're working with a third party, as in the sound engineer, any sound engineer, there is a there's a line between I know what I need to make me comfortable and I need to stop being a pedantic dick now and asking this guy for more and different stuff. Yeah, okay. I understand um, that. To to sort of um, reflect how I feel about that, that first rehearsal we had, um, sorry, the second rehearsal we, we had in, but the first one of mm-hmm. the second place and I set up my mixing desk and my own fallback because I had three different guitars I wanted to use but then I ran my own vocal mix I, I just would recommend that for anyone who was in an original band mm. everyone to have their own set and their own mix and their desk and you're like well that's my one channel I get to control it Yeah, I mean that's and, that's what you have when you have a sound engineer and a decent desk and that's what we had that night but I still I still struggled oh well the, the problem the, the the problem that it alleviates um which you know, just said that's what you have. Yes. What you you don't have because of you're in the middle of a gig, is you can't just walk up to it like we do in our other gigs and just go, I'm just tweaking that, just drop that back, pull that up a bit. That's yeah. great. And of course, when you're in the middle of the gig, you don't want to say to the engineer for the fourth time in between every song, "Can you just actually turn that down?" You know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's by in no way I mean any disrespect to. Uh, Danny was oh, he was great yeah he was lovely yeah, he was really good and he was really he was engaged and interested and he wanted to make it as good as it could yeah. be and, he, and I think he actually enjoyed it as well so um, but yeah I, I personally really struggled and I um, despite being exhausted by the time I left and had to get up and do two gigs the next day I slept incredibly poorly because anytime I did well I would go to sleep and anytime I woke up um, I woke up 
going over all the mistakes I've made. Um, lyrics and where I sang the wrong harmonies, where I didn't sing a verse line at all. Um, <laughs> that was gold. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I I was pretty unrelenting in my self-criticism, which... So in the aftermath of what was a really great week leading up to it and the gig itself that was really fun, I had a really shitty next 24 hours. Yeah, okay. That's, um, that's not great. No, it's just, you know... Um, it was really important to me and I was I was just fucking down on myself for fucking it up. So, and it was all very lighthearted when it happened and all that sort of thing, like when the mistakes happened. But yeah, I mean, you can... Um, just you could like look at it from the point of view of... Uh, if you were to uh, balance up the things you got right and the things you fucked up, you'd be like maybe, you know, 97 correct, 3% incorrect, and go, well, that's that's pretty high. You'd get into Harvard with scores like that. <laughs> if this was, if our band was indeed a higher education institution in America. <laughs> Actually, maybe not Harvard, maybe. Brown. Yeah. The London School of Economics. Yeah, Berkeley. Probably Berkeley. Berkeley. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wouldn't get into Berkeley. Are you kidding? <laughs> but uh, I... Dots on the page. It's weird. I forgave them. I, uh, different to you, I forgave myself of all the things because I was so uh, upset about that it's like once every 14 years. I, was like, I felt really flat by, by it last couple of days. Well, I, I don't think it's going to be once every 14 years. So there's that. So I I, I did think of that, but I didn't think of it in yeah. that way. So that's oh, well, funny. You know, the oh. fact that it took 14 years, but the idea that it's not something you can do on a, on a regular basis, that it's like, ah. Oh. And also, like, you know, because it was a gargantuan amount of work to get up and running. And mm. I felt like, oh, this could really hit its straps in two or three months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I, the thing I didn't think I was going to express out loud but that I will because it's you and I and a bunch of our friends um, is that and I, I in general I mean I might not be coming across like this today but um, in general you would appreciate I'm sure that I am more likely to be the the person in a group of people who accentuates the positive of stuff um but I was certainly, I was disappointed that we couldn't generate some more interest amongst people who hadn't seen the band before, who have been watching us, listening to us for the last 14 years. And I really felt that, um, which is probably a bit foolish, but it's um, right, doesn't necessarily require a response. I don't know, I'm just interested to explore that. Um, ooh, yeah. I was much, mostly patronised by the people who used to come and see us 14 years ago, almost exclusively. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that tends to make... Including one friend of mine who is a sound engineer who uh, left after the first set and I didn't get to see afterwards, who sent me a message the next day saying... Tough room to get a good sound in. Okay. Well, I'm impressed that you're still friends with people like that. <laughs> Was that the only thing that they said in the message? Uh, no, no, they said something else. Um, 
but didn't take the edge off the first thing for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's just, you know, well, some people... Uh... Are you sweating? Yeah, but I've been sweating all day over other stuff, so that's all good. Um, it's warm in here. It's warm in here. Mm. Uh, the... Yeah, I'm going to move on from that response because I think I know who it is and, you know, I was probably what I would expect them to say, so that's okay. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I, I'm i not surprised. Um, I understand that... Uh, um, I know you didn't say surprised, you said disappointed, and those are different things. Um, I'm not sure that I'm. I'm not... I don't think I'm disappointed. I'm really pleased that so many people who haven't particularly engaged in things that I've done since the band did come. So I'm happy that it brought those those people together, those, you know, um, the people that haven't been able to come to see the things that I do mm. or haven't, maybe they haven't been interested or it's not their thing, but, you know, the, the fact that they were there because of some link to the thing in the past. I think it was really nice to see people that, you know, I don't see very often and haven't seen. Mm. There was a good handful of people was like, oh, no, they they haven't been to anything since Inside Zero, which is pretty yeah, cool. Right. So there was the, uh, I guess there were a few people like that, which I thought was really nice. Um, and I think it highlights one thing in particular um, one thing in particular it highlights is that to do thing something on a Saturday night the week after New Year's uh, when a lot of people are not in the city, they're still away on their family holiday because they're going back to work on Monday the 7th as opposed to, so then they're coming back on Sunday the 6th. Mm. Uh, I think that highlighted something to me. To do it on Saturday, actually once I thought about it after the fact, it's like we could have done this on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Um, because it's summer holiday, so like you know, we did it. We kind of wanted to do it. We went, oh, we'll do it on Sunday. People can bring their kids, but actually, the kids are off. A lot mm. of people are still on holiday, so maybe they could have done that anyway. I don't think that boosted attendance. Doing it on a Saturday, I think it might have even detracted from it. Uh, but yeah, I think it just kind of highlights when when you just kind of go, hey, we're going to do this thing we haven't done it forever. And people are like, well, I don't know what that is. Why would I be interested? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, and I think that's how a lot of people responded to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that doesn't mitigate my disappointment. No, it? no, of course not. I'm not. Su- I'm not suggesting it should. Um, my explanation there is not. Yeah. Um, saying that I don't think you sh- you have any right to feel that way. I think that you, you absolutely do. I laugh that because uh, we, do you reckon we went on five minutes late? Five to ten, yeah, something like that. I, I laughed that the discussions we'd had in the lead up to. You know, will we have enough songs and all that sort of stuff? And then the decision to do some some solo original stuff to start off the night. And I, I sent that message to you all saying, the songs off the EP and the songs off the single, back to back, like in an iTunes playlist. Yeah. Um, which is how I make decisions about the cover band sets as well. Um, is, did I say 36 minutes? It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and and what's that? Is that nine songs? Yeah. Of, on the the two CDs. Yeah, with Six a couple and of four. 
with a couple of extras from the other discs. So I think we played 12 altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But like six and four was 36 minutes if we played them back to back. It's like, oh, my God, we need nine songs a set. I don't reckon we need nine songs a set. The first set went for almost an hour. Yeah. So the second. <laughs> yeah, I actually, like, I felt like that, that was talking. probably going to be the case yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, but it was a very, it was a, uh, a wonderful experience. Mm. Um, for all of its uh, digging up uh, lamentations, uh, it was wonderful. It was yeah, the positives definitely outweighed the negatives. Even though I've been flat for a few days up since it, but it was good. I've been flat in a positive way in that way of like, oh, that's um, yeah, like a good reminder of uh, great experiences of the past and also to have the opportunity to come together and do it again is really really lovely mm. so yeah uh, we should uh, we should book it in for next year <laughs> not even joking no I'm not. yeah I would totally do it um what else uh I don't know it's January fucking 2019 excuse me January How's that? How's it become that already? Well, it's already yeah. nearly at the end of the second week. Yeah. Mm. That's madness. I was uh, coming through the airport departure scanner thing and watched a woman in front of me um, whose husband or partner, male partner, went through first and she was left with child in little papoosey thing um diaper bag something else put those things up there um and like toddler toddler well yeah. smaller than toddler baby yeah what's smaller than well, a toddler well, baby, a baby yeah if it's still in the uh, yeah. the wrapping okay um and you know I struggled putting all that stuff up on the conveyor belt and then started to walk through the thing and no, 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 you got to, kid got to come out, unhook all oh, this. Yeah. Fuck, go back, grab a tray, put it in the thing. The baby. <laughs> and uh, I was I was just behind her, so, and then she was sort of standing off to the side and her stuff and her baby thing came out first and I grabbed that off the tray and handed it to her and she, first of all, she looked really surprised that anyone would bother to help her because the husband was fucking yeah. gone, whatever. And I said, all that, do you feel any safer? <laughs> Fuck me. Airport security oh, shits it's, me. Well, it, it shits me. It's not because of the fact that those things happen, but because they're so inconsistent across one so place to another. So arbitrary, dude. It's ridiculous how you can just get on at one place and it'd be like, oh, yeah, whatever, and then other places. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't like it. I'm telling you. Ooh. Mm. There we go. Well done. Um, yeah, airport security, that whole thing, take your shoes off, and it, you know, they do in other parts of the world. It's just. Don't even. Yeah. Don't, just. You know, then we get back into another discussion about trusting government organisations. <laughs> where I have to put my kids through a fucking x ray scanner at some American airport so they can take pictures of them and. Fuck. Shits me. Of course we're never going to keep these photos. We're not going to do anything with them. We're not going to keep them on file. We don't film 
protesters so we can use facial recognition software the next time you come through. Well, that's not why we do it. We do it to make sure that... Fuck off. Oh, look, yeah, just don't lie about it. Just tell the truth. We keep it at all. But if they tell the truth, <laughs> then they run the, they run the risk that average Joe Punter and Josephine Punter will actually get fucking up in arms and down and legs about it and do something about it. Well, what would they do? Fight the fucking power. Okay. Instead, they just keep us all in this fucking fearful state where a terrorist attack could happen at any moment and the newspapers jump on board with all that sort of stuff so we can always be sure that whatever they're doing is for our fucking benefit and safe safekeeping. Yes, it's a very tricky... Um, uh, what would be the word? Uh, tricky, complex, moral conundrum. Mm. Well, because, I mean, you got these... As you know, I can't wear those. I'm Catholic. Yes, I know. Uh, just what I mean by that kind of thing is like, well, so... Now you have to walk... Now we walk through Melbourne and we're reminded constantly that... Um, once in the entire history of uh, automobiles in Melbourne, someone drove a car down a pedestrian way and, and yes, killed some people. And, and it, it was, was awful. It was damn right, it was awful. But now you're reminded of it all. So not and not saying that you should shouldn't we should forget about those kind of things. Um, but you kind of go, all right. Well, clearly this has been identified as a place where that could happen again. But there's a whole bunch of places where there's no. There's none of these. I want to mean by that. So anyone who doesn't know, in Melbourne, there's these huge concrete blocks that are just that are dumped on the side of the road and on pavements and stuff like that. Which theoretically, when there's lots of pedestrians, and now at this time of year, um, you know, there's lots of sporting events. There's international cricket and there's the tennis and whatnot. But all around Melbourne now, there's these massive concrete things, which you would assume means that if you've got an idea that you want to uh, drive Just your car into people um, that's going to make it harder for you and you know you could definitely make a case well that's a that's a good thing because if you want to be if you want to do something to scare people then driving into people is pretty awful but then you're also kind of reminding people that yeah you should be scared of all now theoretically you should be scared of every time you see a car anywhere because cars are dangerous and people can't be trusted but whether people whether enough people express or behave in a way that suggests they're actually going to do that warrants councils and governments and whatnot going around putting these concrete blocks everywhere the thing I bring up is like well what do you do do you put the concrete blocks up or do you not this is my argument this was exactly what I meant with what I said to this woman who you know struggling with the kid and it's like fucking hell that the that's the letter of the law and the spirit of the law as well. It's like, for fuck's sake, just... I don't feel any safer because there's concrete fucking bollards up at the end of Burke Street. But do you feel... Do you, look, my question with that, see, I don't feel any safer about, about flying, but I also don't feel like flying is unsafe. I don't feel like being a pedestrian walking down the street is an unsafe thing. I don't walk down the street expecting... 
And I don't think anybody walks down the street expecting somebody to drive up on the curb at any moment. No, and it's shocking and, and horrific when we hear about it. Yeah. But of I, course it is. In I, any part of the world, of course it is. Yeah, and I think is I don't think anyone gets on an aeroplane with the fear that, oh, well, someone's going to fly this into a building. Because it literally almost never ever happens yeah one person was called the shoe bomber and now people have to take their fucking shoes off to go through an airport departure gate I know it's fucking madness it is madness I agree but but it's it's the same thing like what you're saying um, about well so what are they what are they doing are they monitoring it for are they monitoring it to stop it from happening like and it is that question of which mistake would you prefer to make this kind of thing never fucking happens so we won't worry about it because it never I mean in the amount of people that go through an airport or walk down the street or drive a car it never it, mm. it really never happens um, but it happens once every 150 million something so it does happen sometimes and so we're trying to do this to mitigate that one time and so if someone wants to be you know awful and do commit a terrorist type attack on something then uh, those things make it harder for, to do those things so putting up the concrete things makes it harder for people to drive cars in the crowds of people um, doesn't mean they won't come up with some other creative way to do something no and it's it's the knee jerk reaction that I object to so much of a government body deciding that that's the solution yeah yeah, like I and and your comment about there being so many other places that these things could happen, well, fucking, it's all or nothing, really. Well, so it, put c- fucking concrete barriers up everywhere. Yeah. Or don't allow people to drive in the CBD because that's obviously where it's going to happen. Like you know, just they, they just. I understand the rationale, but I don't understand the rationale. Yeah. Well, I I can, um, I can understand where you come from. I come from Frankston. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Can you understand that, though? Where you come from. Hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. you, don't, you don't come from there. You just live there now. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... It's a I mean, look, I, I get it. Like, you know, it's... Uh, that uh, decision people have to make about all those kinds of things all the time. I mean, like, the... The, uh, you know... The fact that you're likely to... You're more likely to die of, you know suicide then you are likely to be involved in a car accident like you the person who drives your car every day still more likely to die from killing yourself according to the stats there's no Hmm? there's really no effort by the government or the councils put into solving that problem comparatively to the effort they put into road safety which it's not really into road safety it's into well under the guise of road safety it's Revenue raising, mm-hmm. so we, you know we're going to scare you into driving better, and the fear of you having to pay. Th- th- this is my argument. This yeah. was my argument when. Um, but still, mm-hmm. they've got to be seen to be do- doing something, because the thing is that people usually die from someone else doing something, like you dying from your own hand. Well, you know, but you dying because someone else drove poorly. Yeah, like the fucking clown driving at 110 kilometres an hour on the outside lane today with both hands off the wheel, oh, typing gosh. on his phone. Yeah. Driving too fast for me to even beeping the horn, get his attention, tell him mm. to get off the bucket. 
there's just there's no rhyme or reason to how fucking amazingly selfishly stupid some people can be true but I mean that's the thing like I mean soon we just we've really got to get to the point where well the technology speed limits your car based on your GPS position you know if you're allowed to drive 100 you're allowed to drive 100 you can't go over that there'll also be the technology will be in place where you can't you just can't use a phone in a car like that seems really obvious yeah that seems and and you're able to do that voluntarily oh there's on the sure new the newest oh, the last couple of updates with iPhones you know you, you, there's the the do not disturb while I'm driving yeah mode but it brings out like what are they concerned about are they concerned about road safety or are they concerned about um, are they concerned about revenue or are they concerned about I mean I've got friends or, of mine who are coppers who have um, you know had to go to road accident of course yeah victims who haven't been wearing seatbelts and you know they, they are you can't imagine how devastating those victims are but also oh, how the effects they have on, yeah, the, yeah, on yeah. the people and first you know the, yeah. the cops I, I've spoken to about that particular instance of road safety issue of people not wearing seatbelts um, they're fucking furious because yeah. they have to deal with the aftermath yeah, of and course. all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even that, that's still the boots on the ground thing. That's, you know, that, that's, the, that's the individual that has to deal with, with that thing. Even, even that is separate to what you're talking about, which is just pure revenue raising. Yeah, but I mean, like, um, like I also understand of, like, the idea that if you're, if you're a policymaker... Uh, and you look at you have to make a policy based on the stats. Yeah, you know it's the same same kind of conversations people have when it, like well government assistance for certain people who have this issue or that issue or that life situation of having this man this two children and no income and all that kind of stuff. It's like well, at some point in time you've got to go well this is this is not a catch all solution, but it's enough of a su- solution enough of the time for it to outweigh not doing it mm. and so I it's super complex and the only way to make it sim- simple is to remove the opportunity to do anything so like you said not allowed to drive in the city or that's it as of 2025 no self-driving cars you know like you start making yeah. those kind of decisions decisions to go well we're making decisions based on what we think is best for our population and then when governments do that then it's really tricky. You've brought up the idea before of the um, the uh, the car policing the speed limit thing. You've you've mentioned that before. Now I I just hired a car down in Tassie that had a um, I mean this this car that I'm in now has a speed limit function where you set whatever speed it is that you don't want to go over and it makes a little noise if you do. Yeah. Um, this physically. No matter how far you put the accelerator down, yeah, like limited trucks, you from like going. trucks are the speed limited kind of thing, is it? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, I, my gut reaction to that is that's actually really dangerous because there are times where you do want to accelerate out of a situation. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. I think, but I think they are. That's where we is the same thing we're talking about here. Like those situations are far more rare than people misusing the the tool. Mm. Like people people clearly speed because 
they make so much money off people going the wrong, going over the speed limit. Mm. And most people who speed, I would think, are being unaware and negligent. I think there's a difference between making a mistake, yep. right, and people who are just careless. And then there's people who are careless and don't care, yeah, right. Who will like who uh, take note or do research of where there are speed cameras and where they're not, and abuse abuse yep. abuse that. Um, there are people who drive poorly, you know, and so yeah, I, I do agree. But it's it's, you know, it's that catch all. Like, you know, what are we trying to catch, you know? And I think it's really, I think it's really hard. And this interesting thing about that is that's why um, so often people in government who um, who you know get caught, they're the policymakers, and they get caught drink driving, or they get caught speeding, or they get caught doing something which is outside the rules, and. Uh, you know, the media and public make such a hoo-ha over it, but it's basically like, oh, well, everyone everyone has to live by the rules that are made, and it just goes to prove the people who make the rules, right, are human beings, and they find that difficult too because they're not, they're not perfect. Um, yeah, this, so they, this new culture we have of, of people just having to fall on their sword... Oh, it's ridiculous. It, it's it's for, for having just made a human error. Yeah. Because and if, if anything, the, the great benefit of that happening is like, oh, this just proves the point that this proves the point that um, these things are, you know, are, are often difficult to get right all the time and that we're human beings and we make mistakes and that there's a, uh, a penalty for making mistakes. But the penalty is for you should be the same as the penalty for the person who's supposed to set the standard. Like actually, you know, it if they become a chronic abuser of the thing or they try to cover it up or that kind of stuff, yeah, well, that's different. But if they're just acting normal and doing something like incorrect, you know, they have a boozy lunch and they got caught over, mm-hmm. like lots happens to lots of people, then they should pay the price. But, yeah, you know, the fact that they're like, oh, no, well, they, I've been forced to resign from my position or that kind of thing, oh, that just, it's just double standarding that I don't like. Mm, that's dumb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we should go to our gig. Signed, Matt Bradshaw. Age six and a half. So, hey, um, before we go, thank yes. you for uh, being part of our reunion thing. I realise it wouldn't be a reunion without you, but um, it was a really wonderful experience, and I'm really glad I got to do it. Yeah, we were quite good fun. Oh, yeah, because we didn't give, we didn't, we don't do fives really very often. No, we had a nice cuddle afterwards, though. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, made my heart feel good. Good, thanks. Salada biscuits. Hot? Fuck yeah, it is. You sound like my brother, then. <laughs>